life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello, everyone. Michelle Slaney Travato here. Thank you so much for joining us yet again on another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. Today, I am super excited to have not one, but two guests on um, to talk about what it is that they do and how they help people live into their legacies, but not necessarily the kind of legacy that you would think about. Most people think of legacy as something that you work forward toward and you leave behind. But these ladies work in a slightly different way. Their whole business and their business model is about supporting families looking after their aging parents. So it's legacy forward. And I'm really excited to be able to share that with you today in a little more detail. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the two ladies who run Legacy Concierge services in Sonoma, California. So let's start by introducing Deanna. Deanna Shat is co-founder of Legacy Concierge Services and has spent the last 14 years, so she knows what she's talking about, advocating for seniors and their families in their community. Deanna's journey began when she started her career as director of community relations for a large assisted living company in her hometown of Petaluma. Go Petaluma. During this pivotal time, she became acutely aware of the challenges seniors and their families face when changes need to be made. And oh my, on that elder journey, lots of changes need to be made as their needs change. Deanna went on to get her administrator license for assisted living to further her education and expertise in guiding families toward proper care of their loved ones. And really, who doesn't want that? Deanna then pursued different aspects of senior care, including senior placement, discharge planning, and social work in a skilled nursing memory care, and running a small six-bed assisted living in Petaluma. So she's got a wide variety of experience. This has allowed her to understand all of the unique needs families encounter when making the decision to keep their elder in the family home or to move to a community that best fits their lifestyle. Deanna sits as an appointed member of Sonoma County Area Agency on Aging, try saying that five times fast, representing the city of Petaluma. So super excited to have you on, Deanna. Can't wait to find out more about you. Now, Molly is her partner in this endeavor. Molly Noterer is also the co-founder of Legacy Concierge Services, and she utilizes her nearly 30-year history in senior services. Just a hint, she started when she was like two, just so we're clear on that. 
So she helps to assist families in creating custom tailored solution for legacy concierge services clients with a degree in human development and a minor in aging. I would say I might be majoring in aging these days, but anyway, her minor was in aging from UC Davis. Molly has navigated through all aspects of senior care, including adult day programs, assisted living, memory care, and skilled nursing. So she comes at this from a variety of perspectives as well. Molly is a vocal advocate and has a long history of volunteering with organizations such as the Alzheimer's Association and Petaluma People Services. Ladies, I would like to thank you for joining the call. Given your vast experience, I can't wait to dig in and find out more about what it is that you do. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate you taking the time to want to know more about us because that's fun. (laughs) And one of my favorite things to do is shine a a light on people who are really changing the lives of the people around them. And I can say with certainty that what you do changes people's lives. So again, you're working with families and elders. So maybe the families of the elder, if they're able to be a part of the conversation, you're working with the elder as well. Um, Or it could be primarily one or the other or both. Um, Deanna, tell us a little bit about how you went from your corporate position and working in nursing homes and things like that into launching your business. You know, I think it it really started from really looking at elder care from all different lights and having those different jobs um, really gave me a well-rounded perspective of what's what it senior care entails. And because it's not just a diagnosis or it's not just what ailments they have or what, you know, what they need as far as maybe equipment or hospital bed. And unfortunately, in the corporate world, you're kind of your lens has to be on that. And it got to a point for me personally, when I realized there was so much more that was needed at, say, discharge. So when I was working as a social worker discharge planner and we would, you know, we'd see all of these other things. We would identify all these other factors that could really contribute to the success of someone going home. Mm-hmm. And we weren't allowed to tell them what those things were, or we could mention it, but there was always a liability around that. And, and that came from the government, the governing body that was running the skilled nursing. And at that point, when a couple of sleepless nights of just saying, you know, I, this person's going to go home and fail. And odds are, because I wasn't able to actually say, yes, we can help you get these things, but there are so many other, you know, there's four or five things that I can see just by listening that could help that person be successful. And we couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 that's where corporate, <laughs> the, the corporate structure really just wasn't working for, for me personally. And I, I think I can attest to Molly as well. You know, we had a lot of, you know, sleepless night conversations about we can do this better and we can have a real comprehensive approach to someone's care, looking at it from all different aspects and legacy was born. That's, that's how we started. We took the, the proverbial leap and went for it. Awesome. 
Now, in a previous episode, I asked Molly about how she came to make the decision in working in elder care. And I'm going to ask you the same question, because, you know, when you're in grade four and the teacher says to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's usually not one of the top 10 answers. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got there. Yeah, I wanted to be a forensic scientist when I grew up. That was, I don't know why, but that just seemed interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I came, I was, I've always been a big corporate and I worked for a large rental car agency prior to getting into senior care. And um, I had just, I think age and conscience got to me and I was like, you know, I am just making rich people richer. I need something a little more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I was always really, really super close to all of my grandparents and, um, and watching them age and, and age very gracefully, but I, they were, you know, just part of my daily life. I would see them and talk to them every single day. So uh, this opportunity came up at a large assisted living close to where I live. And it's actually right around the corner from my house. And I didn't tell them where I lived for the longest time because I I didn't want them thinking that that's why I wanted the job. But I just knew that I needed something more fulfilling, something that I'm actually I'm good at. But I, I knew at the end I was actually helping families and, the you know, the potential residents coming in just to better their situation. And um, without hesitation, I jumped into that. I just said, this is what I know. This is what I want to do. And the day I went through training and the day I started my job, I'm like, yep, this is it. I know. I knew at that moment that this is everything leading up to that day. I I knew that this was it. This is what I want to do and haven't looked back. Amazing. I love that story. That's awesome. Um, And I love how... You move from being not fulfilled in making rich people richer, Mm -hmm. uh, but you really wanted to get into the nitty gritty with people and their families and working in more one-to-one situations. So you felt like you could make a difference. Um, And that is the thing about legacy makers. They're usually the people who want to make a difference and figure, well, if someone's going to do it, it might as well be me. So I love that you shared that. Thank you so much. And I also think that your grade for you decision for forensic science sounds really cool too. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing all that information. So Molly, it is your turn. Tell us a little bit about your story again, how you got from what you were doing into legacy concierge. You know, I, I shared with before, um, I got into legacy by accident, but also with intention. It's really ironic. Um, Deanna and I had met um, we, when she went, went into her assisted living. I was in a memory working in a memory care, literally right next door, and we became friends through you know through that opportunity. And our corporations did not want us to work together, but we really got along. We kind of had the same values and perspectives, and we felt like you know we could. Um, we could work together and help families in the community. So if a family came in toward my building and it wasn't a good fit, I could encourage them to go over to Deanna's building and you know, kind of download you know, information to, De- to, De- to De- Deanna so that she could help with the family. And we were creating opportunities so the family would have success, not have to move around. And we were kind of told from the corporate level not to do that, but we felt like it was the best thing for our families that we were working with. It was the best thing for our community. So we 
we did. <laughs> so, so it kind of started from that point, I think, where we re- realized, again, we have the same values, the same perspective of wanting to be a contributor to the community. And but we were also, I think, a little forward thinking in that we were not going to have someone tell us not to, you know, not do something when we felt it was the right thing to do. And so I think that kind of started that, that process for us. And, you know, over time, like Deanna said, I got very, I would say disenchanted by the corporate world. I felt like, um, I felt like the investors uh, were more, had more value to the companies than the actual residents or even the employees. And it was becoming kind of louder and louder. And um, at some point when we were both working in the skilled nursing, I felt like the residents were being put at risk with some decisions that were were being made. And I just kind of got to that point where I spoke up and I said something and three days later, my job was eliminated. And so we kind of got catapulted into this. Um, I think we, we'd always talked about doing some type of consulting company. Um, I think maybe within the first year that we met each other, we talked about starting something different and we, we even sat down and kind of put a plan together, but we just didn't know how to do it. And so, you know, you know, nine, eight years later, whatever it might be, we started legacy and, um, and I was interviewing for positions after I got my job eliminated, um, you know, in other senior care organizations. And it just, my heart was not in it. I just didn't feel like I didn't feel like any organization was going to really lift my heart up because I love, I love what we do. I love working with seniors. I love, especially working with people with dementia and Alzheimer's. I love working with their families and supporting them. And I just felt like there was going to be some type of corporate structure that was going to interfere with my ability to, to serve. And um, Dan and I had had a long, lot of conversations, a lot of heartfelt conversations, you know, over years. And when I just realized I cannot go work for another company, we we had some really intense conversations and thought, let's let's do it. Now is the time. And so that's when we created Legacy. And um, we have like Deanna said, we haven't looked back and. Uh, the joy and it, for me, losing that job at the skilled nursing was the greatest gift that could have ever happened. It was tr- you know, tragic in the moment and I was terrified and sad and all the stuff. But but the reality is when I look back, it was the best thing that could have ever happened because what what I feel like what we have created in Legacy Concierge Services is is exactly what we want to do in terms of serving our community and serving the elders. Um, I'm so proud of what we've created and it's continues to evolve day after day because the people that we serve are evolving. We're, we've got a new generation of elders coming in and there they have different expectations, different lifestyles, different ways of communicating. And it's really exciting. Uh, but it's also so fulfilling to be able to work with the family and hear that sense of relief and sense of support. Um, knowing that they're not on the journey on their own anymore and that we can be there to help and, and support them in whatever capacity that they, that they need. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it certainly sounds like that. And I know the audience can't see you, but I see both of your faces lighten up as each one is talking about the things that you love about your business, which uh, is the sign of a really strong and wonderful partnership. So tell the audience uh, a little bit about what Legacy Concierge Services actually does. So, Deanna, I'll start with you. Give us some idea of what it is that you guys actually do. Okay. So, we do, in a nutshell, we have two different facets of our business. 
we have one side that is the actual true concierge side of the business. And we chose the word concierge very strategically. Um, you know, we want there to be dignity around asking for help. And uh, we felt that if the senior, the seniors themselves said, could say, I have a concierge that's helping me with that, there's a little more dignity around that. The reality is, is we are really caseworkers. So we are looking at their situation and we are in it with their help and the family, or sometimes it's just the family if um, the senior can't participate. And we are really pulling, we're, we're pulling back the layers of every single thing that that person needs, not just medically, but socially, you know, what is it going to take to really fulfill, make that senior feel fulfilled, but still get the support that they need? Because it's not just their diagnosis, it's just not the walker that's needed. It's, that's part of it, but there's also so many other aspects around what we do. So we help pull it apart and then we put it back together. We come up with a plan. And then if there's agreement by the families, then we go to work and we start putting those pieces into place. So we've got people that we work with in our community. Um, and now that they started Sonoma County, but now we are branching out nationwide, which is wonderful. Um, and we make that actually happen and we check in and sometimes, you know, we, we keep them on a, um, it's like a retainer, but so if things change or cause they're human and it's, things are fluid. So that something can change in that senior's life that we can jump back in and say, okay, we're going to pivot here and we're going to do something different. And so it's really just creating that, uh, I don't know, symbiotic relationship between the families and us and the senior, just making sure that they, that senior is 100% fully cared for. And then the other side of it is placement. So we do, we can help place folks into assisted living. Molly and I have been doing this for a long, long time, as far as senior care in, in that aspect that, you know, senior living. Um, and we know what it takes. We know what to look for. We know the good, bad, the ugly, and we help the families check all the boxes. My mom, like, you know, for example, my mom likes, she loves um, big buildings and she loves um, music and art and here's her budget and here's what, you know, kind of help she needs. And we go and find one or two buildings. We don't give them 15. We give them the two that check all the boxes and then it's, it's successful. So um, that has evolved quite a bit, right? Molly, it's through yeah. a lot through many, many years, but that that's really what we set out to do in the very beginning. I love that. And I love how strategic the word concierge is. My goodness, that sounds so posh. I have concierge service coming to help me. I mean, when you think about it, when you go to a hotel, if you've got concierge service, like that's that step up level, right? You're not just going to the registration desk yourself. You're getting someone to help you out with that. So I love that that word brings out a sense of positivity and posh, and it's not got any stigma attached to it. So Someone's not going to be afraid to use those words um, where other words might actually have some significant stigma stuck to them and make people feel very concerned about sharing it. Um, also for families, like um, 
again, there's so much emotion around, you know, taking care of your parents and what's that going to look like and fear of being judged for the decisions that you make for your parents. So again, using the word concierge from a family perspective would be something pretty cool too, because who's going to judge that badly? They're going to be like, well, I, I want concierge service. Can I get in on that? <laughs> Yeah, that's not what they do. But I totally see how that word has such power in the title of your business. And I love, of course, that it has the word legacy in it. Because legacy isn't just about what you leave behind, but what you put forward. Mm -hmm. Right? Those last years of our parents' lives don't have to be as riddled with fear and worry and stress. And the families don't have to. And I know you guys do this all the time when you're dealing with children and they don't see eye to eye about what the parents should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to address that in a minute because I want you guys to speak to that. Um, you know, it's so hard, right? Uh, one thinks we'll do this. One thinks we'll do that. Who's going to go check into all those things? Who's going to go check out those homes? Do they check the boxes? What, what are the boxes I even need to check? That's a question I'm sure people come up with. And it's all very overwhelming just from the I don't know perspective. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know who to contact. Then you layer on top of that all the emotion around Mom isn't who she used to be. Dad doesn't remember the things he used to remember. I'm afraid and I don't know what to do. Now you put all that together and it's a big ball of yuck. Mm-hmm. Long and short of it, it's just a big ball of yuck. But most people, of course, want the best for their parents. They're just not sure what to do because your parent is your parent. They're the ones that have always looked after you. And so now having to switch those roles adds a whole other dimension to things too. So Let's talk a little about that. Molly, I'm going to turn this one over to you. How do you deal with that see things not very eye to eye? We deal with this quite often. And a lot of it for, for Dan and I is we really need to sit down with the family and talk with them about what are the values, what are the priorities. If their parent um, or their loved one can be engaged with the conversation, that's really important to involve them uh, because this is about them and hopefully their opportunity to have choices. Um, If they're not able to participate in that conversation, it's really breaking down to the family. We've got to remove the egos. Um, You know, there, there are so many egos that get involved. There's miscommunication. There's also dynamics that Deanna and I know know nothing about because there's, you know, layers and layers of family stuff. And we don't, we walk into it not knowing what those things are unless they start sharing it with us. So we're always looking at it from what's in the best interest for their loved one. And then we really need to focus the conversation on that. If they don't agree, there may be times where we have to have a pretty hard conversation with the family to say, you know, to ask why, or maybe do you understand that if this is the direction you go, these are the, this is what can result in it. Like there's consequences to it. I don't want to say consequence in a negative way, but you know, that sometimes it's because of maybe a lack of knowledge that some of the decisions or direction may be a little short-sighted. So Deanna and I have the ability to come in and sit down and talk with them and really have a heart to heart and help them understand kind of what the end game is with each decision that they're looking at. And then they can evaluate together as a family. And, and honestly, too, the other thing that we have to sit down and ask is, 
is there a power of attorney involved? Who is who has the the parent or the loved one um, asked to be their advocate? And what were those conversations? The advocate, the power of attorney may have had some conversations that the other siblings don't know about. So we have to kind of, you know, unwrap those those conversations. And, you know, sometimes it's hard. Families don't want to, you know, tell to you know, tell each other that I was the one who was chosen or I was the one not chosen. And so we have to sit down and have those conversations and hopefully break down the barriers. Because at the end of the day, all that all that matters is for the safety and security of the loved one that they're they're caring for um, and making sure that their needs are met. And like Deanna said, you know, we kind of peel back the layers and we try to take things apart and then put it back together. And we always, at the end of the day, it's funny when we, one of the questions that we ask families and it catches them off guard almost every time is what makes your mom or dad, whoever it is, what makes them happy? Mm-hmm. And it catches them off guard because people don't ask those questions anymore. They want to know about the diagnosis. They want to know about what they can't do. And what we want to find out is what can they still do? Because that contributes to their dignity. And when we start having those conversations with the family as well, that makes them have a different perspective of, you know, what can we, what can we do moving forward? Hopefully we can get them on the same page. I mean, sometimes we've had to put, you know, be pretty stern with families and say, you are not the power of attorney in the situation. So thank you for your opinion. But right now we need to focus on, this person because they are the power of attorney and ultimately it's their responsibility to make a decision. Sometimes we have to have that hard conversation, but oftentimes the families do, do come together at some point when we just break it down to the thing that matters most, which is their loved one. I'm hearing a whole bunch of amazingness in all that. So let me see if I can unpack just a few of those in there. Both of you have used similar words repeatedly. The word dignity has come up a number of times. And treating an elder with dignity, no matter how far into the conversation they can participate or not. Um, I heard also about unwrapping things for families. You're right. Families can get mired down in historical yuck. Mm -hmm. And that yuck comes right to play when it's set time to make decisions for mom or dad about what's happening. Um, Certainly it's easy, I think, for families to get lost in that and lose sight of what the end goal is. So having an organization like you ladies, and I happen to know you both personally, so (laughs) I know that you guys are kind and caring and compassionate. You come at things from a perspective like that. That's the lens you're looking at the world through. So that is that attracts people to you. And it breaks down those barriers because you're circling around. We need to be focused on mom or dad or both. We need to be focused on what's in their best interest. So let's take a look down this path and see what that looks like. Let's take a look down this other path and see what that looks like. Take a look down this third path or the 54th path or whatever path it is and see what that looks like. And then let's circle back to, and I love the question you asked, what makes your parent happy? I could see how that would stop people right in their tracks Um, because they're in a lot of cases, I guess people are prepared for a fight, right? Mm -hmm. They feel like they have to fight for their parents' rights. They have to fight for access to programs or services. And so that's not a fight question. That's, that's an inclusive question. That's a chance to, to reminisce. It's a chance to look down memory lane and say, oh my gosh, do you remember when mom did this or dad did that? 
oh yes, he or she loves this, this loves to bowl or is a knitter or, you know, can sing or really can't sing and shouldn't be in music. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that is, it gives the family a chance to come together around their loved one rather than polarize apart. If I can just say that, but part of like, when we say legacy, one of the things that's really important to us and one of the reasons why we say legacy is because when you are a caregiver, families often get lost. They lose the relationship with their loved one because life becomes very task oriented and you're, you know, the grocery list, the cooking, the medications, the doctor's appointment, so on and so forth. And you lose a relationship. And I'm saying this from a personal perspective, when we were the caregiver for my mother-in-law, we, we lost the relationship with her because it was so task oriented and resentment happened and all these things that happen. And so for us, when we sit down with the family, our goal in the legacy terms is we want to take those tasks, like Deanna was talking about, we want to take those tasks uh, on so that the families can focus back on their relationship and like, we'll take care of the stuff in the background so they can still be family and have those conversations that matter that are going to last you know, hopefully through generations of stories. And so it's a legacy of now and it's a legacy of future. And that's, that's where we're coming from on that perspective. Okay. Totally just inspired me getting all misty eyed (laughs) over here because you're so right. You know, those tasks become all consuming. You want to make sure mom doesn't miss her medication or dad does have food in the house or has eaten what was left there or put there for him to eat. You want to make sure of all those things, but because you get focused on checking off the list of things to do, it's so easy to forget who you're doing them for or to enjoy that um, that time that you have with them. So let's talk a little about that. How do you encourage families to live into this? You're going to take on some of these tasks. I'm sure some of them are like, well, now I don't know what to do. So Deanna, what would be some advice you might give a family now that you've assumed some of those task-based things? What, what would you suggest? You know, this actually just came up not that long ago. Um, you know, after after they get rid of the guilt of not doing those things, because there is that portion where the families still feel like they, you know, that's been their role for a little while. So they still feel that they need to be involved. But once we let them step back and take a breath and what they've realized is that they a lot of other relationships and a lot of their life has been put on the back burner because they've had to switch gears and completely focus on their loved one. And it's us giving them the permission to go back to their lives guilt-free. And that's the biggest gift that we try to give back to them. It's like, we got it. We got this. We've got all these things in place. We've got your back. We're not going anywhere. So if something happens, just call us. But go on that vacation that you've been putting off for two years, you know, and, and, and sometimes, and I'll have to tell you, we get a lot of teary eyed responses when it comes to that, because no one has given them that permission. They've taken this on as they you know, they've got this warrior, you know, you know, suit of armor on that they've got to go in and they got to do all this stuff. And we're like, we got it. 
This is why you have us. This is why you hired us. This is what we're going to do for you. Go have a life. You have a life. Enjoy your mom. Like Molly touched on, you're not taskmaster anymore. Your daughter, be your, be a daughter again, take mom out to lunch because you really want to, and you, you can, you enjoy it. And it's not just something to check off to do. And once they get that and they once they let it go you just see this relief wash over these family members that have just been wound so tight and just in this fear like this constant state of fear of not knowing what to do and then we get to be the ones to say it's we got it just relax we got this and at the end of the day for and I, I know I can speak for both of us that is the hands down most that's what we do this for that's that's the goal that's what we are here for is to bring that peace of mind to families that's the legacy isn't it the, the legacy. legacy for the elder but also for the family and i like the way you phrase that both of you um again you guys speak so eloquently about this and i adore the way you speak about elders the elders their loved one um those are some very dignified terms. And there's, it's really hard to be angry with someone who's using such words to describe mom or dad. Um, right. It kind of makes people fall in love with you a little bit. Like I kind of feel like I am. Um, cause I think you guys are just so sweet. So let's talk about successes and maybe share a story. Molly shared a story about a lady coming in all the time with broken this and broken that. And it turns out that she didn't need a whole lot of help except she needed a dog walker and people didn't know her well enough to know that. And she was tripping up over the dog. So Deanna, can you think of a story that, again, might be an, in, uh, an indicator or something that would um, that you guys would look at a little bit differently than, say, in a structured corporate setting? Um, well, I, I think I'm going to go back to probably the, a discharge uh, that was coming out of a skilled nursing that um, we ended up handling afterwards once we decided to leave the, <laughs> or well, we decided to take the leave. Um, so we had a, and it kind of goes around falls as well. Um, this lady who was discharged had a broken hip. And uh, we discovered from the family that they, she had, what, 12 steps to get mm-hmm. up to her front door. And if you know anything about hip replacement, stairs are a big no-no. That you, know, you, can't, you can't be doing stairs right away, and, and nor should you, but they're not safe for someone in their you know, mid to late 80s. So we circled back. I ended up circling back with this family, and I told them about my new role, and I said, everything I wanted to say, which was, let's find an alternative way to get mom up into the house. We don't want her to be housebound because that's what was happening. She was, you know, she was down in um, an area down in Marin County that is, you know, most of the houses are built on hills. And she was, she would just stay there because she was so terrified of going up and downstairs. Mm-hmm. So we came up with a solution. I was able to refer a contractor. I was able to talk to, you know, we were able to give suggestions. I reached out to a, um, a landscape architect. How do we build a walking path to get up to the house so it's got less of a steep grade, something that's manageable with railings? So 
that to me was just, I was able to take that one person that had that sleepless night about, and I was able to circle back and have that conversation and nobody had talked to them about that. The physical therapist said, oh, you can walk up five, you know, flights of stairs. You're fine. Well, reality was she was terrified. And so she never did it again. So she'd be in housebound. So it gave her back that freedom. And again, that dignity to go back to her life again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that's, that's one that resonates with me quite a bit. And that was early on. Um, and I really love a couple of things you just said there. One, it, it gave that, that particular woman her freedom, but I can only imagine the relief her children felt not worrying that she was going to break another hip going up and down the stairs or that she was stuck in the house by herself all the time with no one to socialize with because she was afraid. I love that. Then you said something else that um, tripped my memory there as well around legacy that you referred business out. So you spoke to a landscaper, you spoke to uh, a contractor and were able to then provide business for other people. That's an awful lot of legacy there too. So the ripple effect of your ability to speak to this woman or or this family about this woman um, rippled into your community as well in ways that perhaps you hadn't really thought of either, but I would imagine you do have quite a big referral network that you ladies both refer to and get information from. Mm-hmm. Yep. We do. We have quite a bit huh, Molly. We, um, that was, and that was one of our original, uh, thoughts in the very beginning of legacy is how do we, now that we can, you know, let's, we have our own vast network of people that we can refer to. So let's bring them into the fold. These are people very much like our culture that we're in all three of us together. It's people that we know, like, and trust, mm-hmm. and uh, we can bring them into the fold and have them help us. And we're giving them business, but they're also helping us in the long run. They're really helping us help these families. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, again, that whole idea of legacy, it's always about something bigger than yourself. And you've talked about the elders and their families. Now we're dealing with vendors and people, uh, support people who can work with those families that you can put them in touch with so that they can find. And I would imagine that in your vast network and then getting to know the families, you're like, I think this person might work really well with them. That one, maybe not so much. So you can really help do a lot of the weeding out that takes the pressure off families because otherwise they got to make 15 phone calls and do 15 interviews and try to figure out like this person that I just met 10 minutes ago, were they going to be a good fit for my mom or my dad? Whereas you guys getting to know the family, knowing the people that are in your network can really handpick the best people to provide those supports and services or goods so that everybody's needs get met. I love that. It's just, um, I'm hearing the win, 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 just keep going and going and going in this. That's lovely. I just, I think that that's really exciting and it speaks a lot to not just you two, um, as in your business, but you two as people and how you think about other people and wanting to bring out the best in and for people, um, I guess speaking as a person whose father was in a home and did have dementia, um, I wish that that I had had something like that in my life as well to help us make decisions for him because lots of times we were presented with one perspective only. One option, one perspective, this is what you need to do. And then you're thinking, well, do I have to go now search out alternatives and how long is that going to take? And then 
you know, that's really overwhelming. So what is one thing you both wish you knew sooner in your business? Hmm, Molly, I'm going to turn this. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I wish we would have started legacy sooner, to be honest. I wish we would have, but I guess we weren't ready yet. The timings timing happens for reasons. So, oh gosh, I, you know, we're always learning. I, this is, you're stumping me on this one, my friend, uh, but we're always learning. And I think that's one thing that's really important is when, I think when we first started, we thought we knew what we wanted to do and how we wanted to contribute into our community um, and how we wanted to serve our community. But I think over time that has evolved as we listen to the families and we listen to what the needs are. And also I think as um, services change and evolve as well, and there's been some great services that have disappeared, some that have, you know, that have developed and, um, I think every day, the fact that we're, I don't, I'm having a hard time answering this question because we're, we're constantly in a learning mode. And so, um, I think maybe giving ourselves the grace of that, maybe in the beginning, when we first started, it's been a, it's been a journey when we first started legacy, it was, we, we went through some, you know, we went through some stuff and it took us a couple of years to to figure out and really define who, who we, who we are. And I think giving ourselves that grace. And, and I think the other thing is, is that we are at a point now where we truly, we truly believe in who we are. We believe in what our values are and our mission is we are so in sync with that. And I think we do not waver. Um, we're constantly checking in with each other about, the right direction, the right choices, the right options. So I don't know that I'm answering your question directly, but I think I, I just think that we're constantly in a learn mode so that we can better serve. And um, I think in the, you know, you, we just don't know everything. And so we have to, and I think that's maybe one thing that we have. I thought we knew a lot when we first started, but we have so much more to continue to learn. And um I don't know. I, I'm still stumped with that question because we're just. Well, I got we're... a couple of things out of that one. You wish you'd started earlier. Yeah. Two, I understand how you feel. Sometimes when you're new um, mm-hmm. in your business or your profession, you kind of feel like you need to be the expert in the room. Um, like right. you need to have all answers for all people. But I think as you get more confident, you learn that you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be able to say, I don't have an answer for this yet. Let me go away and do some research and I'll get back to you on that. And often that's enough for people. That's enough yeah. of a weight lifted off for them to say, okay, you, you're going to go do that. Awesome. You mean I don't have yeah. to spend 15 hours on my computer and my phone and email trying to figure all this out. You're going to go do this for me. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I heard two of those there learning yeah. how to not have to be the expert in the room. Right. Um, but also wishing that you had just jumped in earlier. However, you're right. Timing doesn't get yeah. into it. Deanna, you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I totally agree. I, and I, as much as we probably would have wanted to start earlier, I think the timing was appropriate. I think, you know, we had, I think Molly touched on this earlier. We had talked about doing this years before when we first met. We just we we weren't there and mm-hmm. it took us a lot of different um it, to down different avenues we needed to do different jobs we needed to see things from a, a global perspective if you will when it comes to senior care and once that happened like once you know we were like all right 
we're seeing this from 50 different angles and we're not liking what we see in some of these particular aspects, that's when we decided now it's time. And we are evolving. We are evolving as we speak today. We've got some new stuff coming out. And, but that all evolved from our years of working with families and realizing where the deficits were. As much as we wanted to fill in those gaps, there's still, we can't fix dynamics. You know, we would have to, you know, sometimes we have really have to jump in and do some, have some really hard conversations. And sometimes, I mean, as much as we want them to happen, sometimes the families, just don't get along Mm -hmm. and they just won't one person just will not give up and or one person is mad at the other one so they don't communicate and then so it's just this constant push and pull so i mean even as we speak today we've got some new stuff you know looking into our legacy in the future and their legacy in the future of we're going to help you do that you know and we're going to help you do that in a way that you will be you'll be fine and but you're still going to have to communicate whether you like it or not Mm-hmm. So we're ever evolving. And the, the joke is, is Molly is the dreamer. <laughs> Molly, Molly's her tagline. I'm going to get her a shirt. I have an idea. <laughs> and I say, let me put my seatbelt on and tell me what you got. So, this is, so we're always, you know, we're always thinking about new and innovative ways to kind of really push the boundaries on senior care. Yeah. I think that's extraordinary. I also like how you two get the giggles at each other, um, which is, again, a sign of a great partnership. Um, and you're absolutely right. The world is changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Programs don't stay in existence for forever. Sometimes the most amazing ones are like, no, where did you go? And then other ones are like, why are you here? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure you would come across that. And then, of course, you also have things are changing in the world, communicating. Families don't necessarily live super close. So you may be now looking at virtual meetings as opposed to in-person meetings um, for just geography reasons. Um, And also families can absolutely get caught up in a whole bunch of stuff. I remember when my grandmother died. Uh, there was a whole lot of whether or not her jewelry was to be buried with her. That was a big decision and ended up in all kinds of interesting, interesting that I didn't see coming with people's feelings on it and all those things. So I can see how you guys are going to need to continue to stretch and grow. And Molly's going to continue to have ideas and Deanna's going to be like, all right, how do we actually make this one happen? How's that work? Um, and I, I, I love that you guys also, um, because of those two things, I mean, you have the best of both worlds. It's the yin and yang, right? You got mm-hmm. one, then the other balances each other out. I am sure Deanna at times you're like, Molly, I don't even know where that <laughs> came from. Uh, like, I'm sorry, were you in outer space? And they're both killing themselves laughing, by the way, folks. <laughs> I must be hitting something right here. Um, and sometimes, Molly, I'm sure you're looking at Deanna like, why does it have to take that many steps to get there? Uh, okay, You know us so well. <laughs> so I love that. But that's part of how when you guys communicate around the legacy you want to create in your own lives and for the lives of the people around you, that benefits everyone. Plus, you know, humor is a really good way to diffuse a lot of tense situations. So if people who are coming in are very tense about how this is going to work or how am I even going to get along with that one in the family? 
having you guys come in with that level of kindness and compassion and humor can break down an awful lot of boundaries very, very quickly. So it allows you to get to the heart of the matter while everybody is still sorting out how they feel about all this. I think it's really extraordinary that you two chose to step into this role. We have a baby boomer generation and they're huge in North America. They are probably the biggest part of our population, both in Canada and in the United States. They're huge. Um, There is super big needs growing to meet their needs. Uh, Many of them had significantly smaller families. My parents came from large families. My mom is one of nine. My dad is one of seven. And those were considered small at the time. Um, So they had lots of siblings, but now you're looking at families with one, two, maybe three, sometimes as many as five, but that's, that's rare these days. Often it's a smaller number of people trying to make these really big decisions and maybe not from a geographical area. Like they may not, mom might be in California and they're in New York or, you know, in Canada, they might be on one coast and the family Mm -hmm. is on the other coast. How do you make decisions about best programs when you can't even You don't even know what's there. Like what's offered here is not offered there and vice versa. So it's so extraordinary to have two amazing women like yourselves say, we're going to take this on for you. Let us go do the research. Let us go do the homework. Let's go search into our networks and see who we can find. And then we're going to provide you with, I love what you said earlier, Deanna, two choices, not 15. Mm -hmm. Right. Because 15 gets overwhelming and then everybody picks one and nobody picks the same one. And now we have another problem with the family. Right. So I'm going to give you two choices based on the information you shared about your family member. And they if they were able to share it about themselves, we think this could be a good match. And so now let's have a discussion about both of them, pros and cons. And again, you guys are objective. You're that third party stepping in from the outside. You're not mired in the muck of the family stuff. Um, I'm sure you hear about it. And then you're like, oh, that's. That's a lot, (laughs) right? But you guys get to stand on the outside and present a more objective opinion, which is really important in a highly emotional situation and learning to deal with your, your elder, your parent, not no longer as your parent slash caregiver, but as a human being who needs care, which for a lot of families is the first time they see their parent or family member that way. That's extraordinary. And um, I hope that our audience heard the kindness and compassion and the love that you guys have both for each other, which is pretty awesome, but also for the people you serve, their families and their loved ones. And the fact that you want to work with them as long as they need you to work with them, as long as they need support on both ends, the person receiving the support and the family who's trying to give it, um, that you guys are there for them. And that's so important. And that really does create a sense of legacy, legacy forward. So instead of feeling like for the rest of my life, I have to be worried about mom, or I'm so scared about what's happening for dad. I can now, just like you said, Deanna, I can take that holiday and I can take a breath because I know my, my loved one is being cared for by two people who actually know what they're doing. And in a lot of cases, people have come from perspectives where they felt the people caring didn't actually know what they were doing. Or like you guys said, were so limited by what they were allowed to say mm-hmm. in their particular roles that so much was left unsaid. So I totally 
think what you guys are doing is extraordinary. And I know I've told you that before, but I, now it's recorded. <laughs> You're going to have it for posterity. That, that's extraordinary. Now, ladies, how can people find you? Because I bet people are going to be listening to this thinking, I need to know these women. I have a question. How can they find you? Well, we are, uh, we have a website, LegacyConciergeServices.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, you can call or text us anytime. We have a calendar set up um, on our website. So if you want a 30-minute consultation just to start the conversation, which we encourage everybody to do, you can set that up on your own at your, you know, at the best time that's best for you. And it will either be Deanna or myself who will be, you know, either on a Zoom with you or on a phone call with you. When you call us, it's one of us who answers the phone. So um, we're very, very hands-on. We we love being able to be part of people's journeys. It's this is going to sound really cheesy, but we mean this in all sincerity as it is such an honor to be brought into a family's journey and to be able to help um, and guide and assist and advocate. So um, we're here and we'd love to help in, in any way possible. I adore you too. I just think you are <laughs> a super cute, uh, but B when again, I just hear the love for what you do coming out every time you both speak. Um, I think that it's awesome that if somebody phones you, it's one of you two that actually answers the phone. This is not a large corporate structure where you have to go through 15 secretaries and someone's aid to be able to get to the person you actually want to speak with. So somebody is going to speak with one of you or get on a Zoom with one of you to be able to start that process and get some questions answered and see if what you do could be a great fit. And now you are moving more, um, certainly you got California cover, but you mentioned that you're moving more national, which is great. So if anybody is not in California and has questions, now here's a question for you. How about someone in Canada who might have some questions? Um, still okay to give you a call? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we may not know the direct resources in Canada, but we can, number one, we can find those resources for you, but also we can just talk through the situation and kind of create some direction for a family to understand what options might, might be available. So it's, we have families who are contacted us in India and the UK and, and so, you know, they have loved ones in the North America. <laughs> so we can, we can help, you know, we can help with some guidance and also some advocacy as well. That's, that's really important for us as well. You're right. Because knowing the right things to say to the right people has power. Right. right, right. Um, if you've got the right words and you know where to put them in a conversation, that can, that can make wheels turn that you didn't think you'd be able to get turning. Um, right. And also, it can bring people on board with you. You know, they have that saying, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. If you're coming mm -hmm. in with your emotional armor on, you got your sword out and you're ready for a fight. It doesn't exactly put the people on the other side of that at ease. Right. So right. being able to have the right words, the right way to approach the situation. Um, sometimes it's just all about that. That mm -hmm. can create a whole win for your family member that you didn't see coming because you thought you had to go in swinging your sword and right. oh, for the big fight. If you don't have to do that, then you can take off your armor and get real about this and make things happen. So I absolutely adore that. So again, folks, you got to check out their website because it's awesome. And you'll be able to connect with both of these ladies directly, one or the other, maybe even both. 
um, depending on how busy their schedules are and uh, get some answers to the questions that you've got around the care for your parents around what are some things that you can do or first steps. That's a great way to get yourself organized so that you can make those decisions. Um, Also to share with your siblings or the other people that are making decisions for your loved ones, a great website for people to go check out lots of information there. So ladies, before we finish, I like having a lot of fun. I need more fun in my life. You guys keep giggling. So now I'm thinking we need to have some fun here. So before we go, I have got some hot seat questions for you. Just a couple, nothing too too difficult. Um, But I'm going to start asking you a couple of questions just so our audience can get to know a few extra things about you. So Deanna, this one is for you. What's your favorite meal? Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, I'm... In genre, I would have to say probably Italian or Mediterranean. I'm going Mediterranean, Mediterranean food. So in general, Mediterranean food. Awesome. Uh, Molly, favorite song? Oh, man. Right now, it's You and Me by Dave Matthews. I know you like Dave Matthews. There you go. <laughs> uh, I got a lot. Uh, favorite color? Orange. Ooh, I like orange. I like it a lot. Uh, Molly, favorite car? Favorite car? Yeah. Uh, Dream car. Dream car. Dream car? Yeah. Mercedes. Cool. Mercedes, anything in particular? A big Mercedes. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. Love that. Uh, Favorite vacation destination? Me? Yes, Deanna. Wherever wherever you Uh, that was your favorite vacation destination? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Rotan. Cool. Molly, um, if money was no object, where would you go? Uh, Ireland for a long time. <laughs> when you phrase that. <laughs> uh, Deanna, favorite movie? Oh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Very cool. Uh, Molly, keeping a PG rated favorite beverage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lemonade. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> On the end of that word. <laughs> My nose just grew a little bit. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast today. I love talking to legacy makers. And I know that that is not how you view yourselves because both of you are very humble But I'm here to say that what you do in helping elders and their families creates extraordinary legacies and positive ripples in our world. I am so blessed to know you both. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. So welcome. So again, check out their website. And if you need help, reach out. These ladies have told you that they are here. Let's create some more wins in the world today. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.